Hi, this is Scott Reimer from the Underwater Archaeological Society of Chicago. You're listening to Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in 3, 2, 1. Hey, coronavirus. Okay, yeah, you can shut down Italy. You can shut down South Korea. You can destroy our economy, but keep your filthy nucleocapsid proteins off Tom Hanks. The man is an American treasure. This is like learning that Liberty Bell has herpes. <laughs> Not gonna, it ends now. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio. Flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 877-711-5611. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine will good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Jet streams, perfect air. And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Nova. Good planets are in the main right right and here we are folks uh, look at this I've got my uh, connect there we go oh you can take that music out Andrew take that music out oh what have you got there you've got the I owl got a snowy owl and I've got a robin <laughs> and if my phone goes off, I'll have another Robin, but that's a different problem. Okay. I'll turn that volume uh, off. <laughs> welcome, folks, to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. As you can see, we are not in the studio today. We had decided that uh, discretion, actually distance, is the better part of valor. And uh, we're taking these things seriously in uh, the age of coronavirus. And we thought, you know what? This is radio. You can do this almost anywhere. You can even do it with video, as you can see now. I've got my background here, which is my right behind me. Some of you call this amaryllis. It's actually hippiastrum. It's very it, pretty. That's what I'm calling it's it. It's known as amaryllis uh, commonly, but it's uh, hippiastrum blooming. And behind that is the, uh, the out-of-control uh, euphorbia, which is leaning against the wall so it doesn't collapse in... In, and and hit the it. show host, yeah. Yeah, and hit the show. And then on this side, folks, you'll like this because these are my Christmas lights on my Shiflura, which I have not taken down. So technically, I still have my Christmas tree up. Uh, and here we are in March. And um, Peggy, what have you got there to show for what you've staged? You've got an, a, a hippie astrum there, too. Mm -hmm. That's still blooming. It's a late blooming one. Got a Shaflura. I've got a. I'm not sure what. And scented geranium. This is my geranium oh, over here. Overwintered for three years now, under my under my happy leaf LED. Oh, you got one of those. 
I've got my, I've got, I got, I got both the dingers here. I knew there was a reason I bought this a while back. Uh huh. So you've got your own dingers. All right, folks, listen, uh, we're doing the show here today and we're not going to let coronavirus stop us. We, here's the deal. We're going to uh, talk. So it's all related to that because that's the way the world is now. Uh, for now, for the time being, uh, we don't know how long. I mean, I, I look at the TV, which I can see across the room, and it's really weird to see commercials about, hey, let's take a trip. Uh, we'll get on a plane and we'll go someplace. And that ain't the way the world's working right now. So stick around. We're going to be talking about horticultural issues, how they relate to coronavirus, how to keep yourself sane, maybe by gardening with some really great experts on the show today. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're in our homes and we will be right back. When it comes to tree care, it's all about the science. Well, there's love and history and family too, but you definitely want the best science for your trees. That's why you should contact Bartlett Tree Experts at Bartlett.com. With 120 offices around the world, including Canada, England, and Ireland, Bartlett is the largest residential tree care firm in the world. Their work is backed by the science of the Bartlett Research Laboratories in North Carolina. They pioneered integrated pest management or IPM in the 1970s, introduced the first organic fertilizer, and now Bartlett is the first and only tree care company to research the benefits of biochar on urban soils and tree health. At the same time, they're focused on you and your needs, meaning that they'll do the right thing for your tree and you. Put science to work for your trees. Get a free estimate today because every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. From small boat to your dinner table with a quick stop at your doorstep. The seafood at Sitka Salmon Shares comes from a collective of small boat fishermen who respect the ocean and its sea life. They're a community-supported fishery like your CSA. Instead of produce, they bring you responsibly harvested, wild-caught Alaskan seafood. The fish is in season and reflects the limits of nature. You even know who caught the fish. It's right on the box. Sign up today. I did. Use promo code MIKE25 for $25 off your share. Go to SitkaSalmonShares.com. More than ever, Chicagoans are looking for trusted resources to help them lead a healthier, more sustainable lifestyle. I'm Peggy, and I publish Natural Awakenings, still Chicago's greenest and healthiest local magazine. And if you want to reach people that support this growing market, you need to get your business in front of our 80,000 monthly readers. Why? Because our advertisers tell us our readers are truly committed to improving their health, leading greener lives, and taking action. They're looking for holistic wellness practitioners, organic foods, health products, relaxation options, fitness and yoga classes, green landscapers, energy efficiency experts, and more. Our readers pick up their free copies of Natural Awakenings each month, or they read it on our website because they know it's our area's best source for reliable information about healthy green living. Call me today at 847-858-3697 to learn more and check us out at nachicago.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. The hottest new trend is here, and it's got everyone talking. What's spreading quick and makes you sick, infecting everyone? It's worldwide, and many have died, but so much fun. You start to cough, then pass it off, and no one knows what to do. But wash and clean and quarantine for Wuhan flu. Corona, Corona, the virus infecting us all. 
Okay, there we go. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Yeah, yeah, I guess you get, Okay, one of the things you got to know is that there's a whole cottage industry that has sprung up <laughs> around coronavirus songs, which I discovered about an hour ago. All right. I went onto the YouTubes, the used tubes, as we call them. You should call them the used tubes. And, <laughs> By now, uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I... The whole show today, all of our bump music is going to be coronavirus songs because they're all out there. And I, I really don't care if Mark Zuckerberg zaps us here um, because they're too funny. Uh, they'll go out on the radio, and if they don't get on Facebook, yeah, who cares? But I got a feeling most of them are, are just kind of done in people's basements and yeah. that sort of thing. So uh, No I, copyrights I, involved. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so yet. Maybe the ones that really get fancy and famous, but wait... <laughs> Wait till, wait till you hear. Oh, by the way, I should I should give credit where credit is due, and that one was the coronavirus song by somebody named Rusty Cage. So you get an idea how serious these people are. Um, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> so we'll have, we'll have more of that. And actually, you know what we say on this program. We talk about serious stuff, but we try to do it with a sense of humor, um, and uh, that might be the only way you can laugh about any of this right now. Although I can see that our guest Jennifer Jewell, uh, who's on the other <laughs> Zoom line, is uh, smiling. So that's that's a good thing. We haven't <laughs> alienated you yet, Jennifer. Not yet. I'm right. I'm right there with you. If you don't laugh, you're in big trouble. Yeah, yeah. Ab- absolutely. So uh, we will get to you in just a second, but I want to go to the phone first because uh, we have Benjamin, Benjamin Futa. And is that how you pronounce your last name, Benjamin? You've got it, yes. Okay. He's the director of the Allen Centennial Garden at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Now, those of you who've been listening to the show and see there I was touching my face. Really nice. I'm going to probably, you know, watch watch the video so you get to see how often we touch. But I need to really. I actually was... noticed that on another video I was watching this past week of, of watching a bunch of people touching their faces yeah. without knowing it. And, and, I, and, I, and, and let me say something at the outset, and we'll discuss this again with the other guests. The reason we're here in, in our homes doing this is you got to take this seriously, even though I had the goofy song on. Coronavirus is, I, and and what's interesting is that this show goes out to uh, other stations around the country, and some of them get it a week late. And I'm wondering what, how will the world have changed in a week when we're broadcasting this elsewhere? When it shows up in uh, KOTA in Rapid City or WRSC in State College, Pennsylvania, that sort of thing. So it is interesting to because if you look back a week ago. And how things have changed in one week. It's its remarkable. So we have Benjamin Futa on the phone because we've been talking on this show for the last few weeks about the Allen Centennial Garden Spring Symposium uh, coming up. Uh, and it was supposed to be, well, in a couple of weeks. And, uh, and that got canceled, as did the Chicago Flower and Garden Show, as did the Chicago Community Gardeners Association conference, as did parts of the One Earth Film Festival, as has as did as, the Chicago Audubon conference. Right, and these are just the horticultural uh, slash conservation programs, and there are more that are going to be canceled. I know some I haven't we haven't heard from, 
And of course, Major League Baseball, all of our sports, golf. I was surprised that they were going to play golf without crowds. And I thought, well, that's pretty safe. Folks are outside. And they said, nope, people are in the locker rooms. They have, you know, they interact uh, with staff. Um, it's still, it's still uh, difficult to control uh, where people are, what they touch, and uh, what they inhale. So this is the, the trajectory we're on right now in America. Um, and it's going to get worse before it gets better, probably. I mean, nobody, I, you know, I wish I could make a prediction and tell you where it's going to go. So I said to Benjamin, you know, we need to talk about this anyway. You were going to be on the show. Jennifer was going to be on the show. We hope to get uh, Rebecca Mackin from. She's, uh, she's here. Oh, is she here as well? Yep. She's on okay. Zoom. Oh, aha. Uh -huh. Great. So we've got her as well. So let's, Benjamin, let's start with you because uh, how did this uh, all come down with you? You you were gearing up to get people to come to Madison, Wisconsin to talk about gardening and and how to change their lives in a good way. And now that's all gone by the board. Uh, how did that happen? Yeah, well, I think you painted a pretty uh, accurate picture just in terms of how quickly all of this has been moving for us. And, you know, Monday of this past week, I woke up dreading this idea that, oh, my goodness, we might, you know, we put all this work into this event and we might have to cancel how unfortunate this would be. By Tuesday night, I was thinking, oh, it wouldn't maybe be so unfortunate if we canceled because think about if we didn't, how bad it could even be. It could even be worse. And then by Wednesday morning, we met as a staff and we said, there's no question. We have to we have to cancel. There's no question. And about an hour later, the <clears throat> email from the UW chancellor followed and said, all events are canceled. Uh, you know, students will be off campus for a month. And, and again, many other campuses across the country have followed similar actions. And so, you know, I think the uh, dare I say consolation prize for us in this is that we are not alone. Um, again, you, you had sort of that, that list at the very top of the show of here's everything that's impacted just within our small sphere, but it, it really, it's everywhere. It's everything. And, but it also, I think, really gets at the heart of why, like, as you say, why we were trying to gather people together was really to talk about ways to be more resilient and talk about ways to build stronger communities for, um, you know, scenarios like this. And even if it isn't uh, a virus, it could be, you know, floods, wildfires, natural disasters, other pressures that are as yet unknown to us, but just really what role can gardening play in sort of that um, maybe right now is a bit of an uncertain future. You know, there's, there's certainly an irony there that you were going to talk about resilient landscapes. Yes. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah. But it, yeah. As you said, it, it, it plays into this. Uh, well, Go ahead, Peg. Oh, I, I just because we've got limited time, I was going to ask Rebecca again with resilient because I was thinking of you. You're, Rebecca McMacken's the director of horticulture at Brooklyn Bridge Park in New York. I can't imagine what your week's been like all of a sudden. It's been really crazy, um, and I think you know a lot of us are really anxious about things. But I have to say, I'm really proud to work at the park that I do work at this week. Um, the park took proactive measures that I think were even a little bit ahead of a lot of uh, other institutions in the city and really um, shut down as much as humanly possible while just keeping the skeleton staff necessary for the park to stay open in place. And I think that right now we're in this really 
um, sort of place where it might still kind of feel safe for certain people to be outside, to be using common spaces, to go to bars, to go to restaurants. And it really is not right now. We're all making the decision whether or not this is going to be a virus that's going to kill a few hundred thousand people or over a million. And so I think it really matters that those of us who are in positions to advocate for, um, for institutions, for restaurants, for corporations, for gardens closing, that we all take those steps to look out for the health of our employees, to look out for the health of the public and shut it down right now. Uh, it's amazing uh, that, not amazing, it's interesting that you you're in a situation which is complex because one of the things I think we want to do is keep public areas open for people because this is the one place you can, you can go out and uh, still enjoy the world as long as you don't get too close to other people and you be careful about the kinds of things you're touching. Um, our parks are going to be invaluable at this point. Um, forest preserves, uh, the Chicago Botanic Garden, the Morton Arboretum are still open, although their visitor centers uh, might not be. Uh, is that the same case with you? And are you encouraging people to go there? And when, as you do that, you still have to have staff there. So they're a really important cog in keeping people uh, mentally healthy, you know, and the, the whole idea of the mental strain that this creates. So Absolutely. what are your thoughts on that, Rebecca? So um, especially in a city like New York, where a lot of people live in apartments and do not have access to outdoor space, the commons are absolutely critical. I think one of the things that this whole disaster has really shown us are the benefits of investing in common resources. If it's parks, if it's healthcare, if, um, you know, if it's sick leave, all of these things that everybody needs, we all need to take a step back and look at the collective good of society and think about the way that we're treating everyone, right? And so um, there's a lot of meta topics to consider. As to the park specifically and public parks specifically, I think the strategies of shutting down uh, bathrooms and visitor centers are really critical. The virus we've seen can live on metal um, and plastic and glass for multiple days. Some people think up to nine days. So it's really, uh, it's really important that while people are outside, they really still keep that distance from not only each other, but also park infrastructure. Um, that said, it can be really, really critical to be outside for people. But the way that I'm thinking about it is the way that it is ethical and safe to keep these institutions open is if you imagine that um, that the people who are coming in, that half of those people have the virus, right? And the other half of those people are immunocompromised. Is your situation still safe? Is it still safe to bring into people in those situations? And if it is, if you can maintain those distances, if you can keep them um, safe from each other, then by all means, that that's an important resource to stay open. What we're doing at Brooklyn Bridge Park, very similarly, we have just the skeleton staff again to stay open. And those people, if they are in any way um, immunocompromised, they're given the option to stay home. Um, and they're all making hazard pay to recognize that they are um, in, a, in a possibly a dangerous position. And of course, uh, folks who are not familiar with Brook Brooklyn Bridge Park, it's 85 acres of organic park land. Um, uh, go ahead. Did you want to? Yes, say absolutely. So the park is a wonderful, wonderful park. Um, the park is 
um, 85 acres, as you mentioned, of organic parkland. It is uh, built on reclaimed shipping piers. It's the largest public works project in Brooklyn uh, since the days of Olmstead, and we're almost completed. We're actually going to finish the park this year, and it's also our 10-year anniversary. The fun thing that we do on the horticulture staff is that we manage the wild, the garden spaces of the park as wildlife habitat. Mm -hmm. So we try to, we have five acres of, of grasslands, of meadows in the park. That's not an insignificant number uh, for the actual habitat of grassland in Brooklyn. So we've seen endangered birds come through the park. We have an endangered bumblebee that has resident is a resident of our park. So we really manage the park for people, but also make space for wildlife in the park as well. It's not the rusty patch bumblebee, is it? No, I wish. We're, <laughs> we're still looking out for that one. It's a it's called the Great Northern Golden Bumblebee, and it's endangered in New York State, but not in other states. Oh, there's so many endangered bumblebees. What are you going to do? <laughs> I can't keep track of them all. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer, you're out in California, right? Well, I'm actually, um, I don't want to use the word stuck, but I'm actually here <laughs> on the East Coast because I was in the middle of a six-week book tour when oh, this came yeah. down. Uh, my last date uh, was supposed to be at the New York Botanical Garden on Friday in conversation with Jamaica Kincaid. And um, luckily for uh, audiences and for people who uh, are interested in this kind of conversation, the New York Botanical Garden really pivoted on a dime and shut the the, the in-person program down, but got us together, Jamaica Kincaid and myself, in the Orchid Show to tape our conversation so that it will go out as oh, a video chat. And I think, you know, much like Rebecca was talking about, it's going to be a question for everybody of coming up with resourceful innovations. All right, that music means we're going to take a break. Tell you what, Rebecca, we don't have a lot of time on the show. I'm going to let you go. It was uh, wonderful having you here. I'm going to keep Jennifer and Benjamin on, and we'll continue this conversation about what happens when you have to cancel your horticulture conference. It's the nice to meet you, Rebecca. Peggy Malecki, and we'll be right back. This is Mike Novak. For weeks, Peggy and I have been talking about how easy it is to support clean energy thanks to Hero Power. And now they're backing that up by offering you $25 off to join the Hero Power Clean Energy Program. You get 100% of your electricity consumption matched with Green E certified renewable energy certificates every time you pay your electric bill. Plus, you'll never pay more than the ComEd rate. You'll know where your money is going without extra costs or termination fees. Your bill doesn't change. Your service doesn't change. You still pay the ComEd basic electric rate. Sign up in less than two minutes and Hero Power will handle the rest. Plus, you can get a $25 credit off your first bill when you sign up and mention that you heard about Hero Power on the Mike Novak Show. Support clean energy now at MyHeroPower.com. I switched. You should too. Go to MyHeroPower.com. A good day's gardening can sometimes be a bad day for your muscles and joints. Dr. Bonnie Flaster is a chiropractor who uses gentle, non-force adjustments to relieve pain. With 29 years of experience, she relies on a variety of treatments, including low-level laser, acupuncture, and gentle chiropractic. Visit her at River North Wellness Center and find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. 
Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. Illinois has become a national leader in solar energy installation, and right now you can save 60 to 70% on installation costs. You want it for your home or business, but you don't know where to start. So give our friends at Albright Solar a call. Albright Solar offers a boutique, hands-on approach to your situation. They know the ins and outs of local solutions, and we've worked with them for a decade. They're good people, and they know their stuff. Go to albright.solar or call 773-887-6446. Zoom, so I'm not sure what. Yeah, uh, Andrew, I'm, what I'm going to say because uh, uh, I can't seem to get a hold of you uh, offline here. But while we're we're up, um, the feed coming from the station is really hot and distorted. So if there's any way you can back that off, then we can hear some of this, the bumps that are are coming in here. Uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, uh, and we're pleased to have Jennifer Jewell. Uh, she's still on the uh, phone with us right now with Benjamin Futa. And um, Jennifer, you're kind of in the nightmare scenario, <laughs> which is, and I hadn't thought about that. You go out on tour, you're promoting your new book, The Earth in Her Hands, 75 Extraordinary Women Working in the World of Plants. And you find yourself a continent away from your home. And you're thinking, how do I get back there? Uh, that is something that hadn't occurred to me. I have to admit, uh, and <laughs> me either. <laughs> I'll bet. So, what are you planning? Well, in fact, I am very fortunate to have family uh, on the East Coast. So, uh, my partner and I are staying with a cousin, and then we're going to get back to an aunt who lives in southern uh, Vermont. And in theory, we have airline reservations for Wednesday to get back to California. And I suppose we could also drive back across country in our rental car if need be. But um, I, I just, I feel fortunate to be within um, the community of plant people that I'm in who are incredibly generous and uh, trying to look out for each other at this time. So, And you're also, of course, uh, an award-winning public uh, radio uh, broadcaster. You have uh, a program called um, Cultivating Place. And um, it's interesting when I wrote to you a couple of days ago and said, we're shifting a little bit here. And do you want to be part of this conversation about what does it mean to be gardening in the age of coronavirus, you said, yeah, that's, I like that. Uh, yeah. What made, what made you think that way? Well, I think that it's the same um, instinct that made me want to be part of the conversation at this symposium with Ben at the Allen Centennial Garden. And that is that I find uh, gardeners and gardening to be one of these intersectional spaces where we can find both learning and wisdom and support. And and when I say that, I I mean food, I mean medicine, I mean um, community of people who are trying to think beyond um, buying 72 rolls of toilet paper and thinking about how to grow enough food for your community or get herbal support uh, 
you know, immune therapy to one another in this time of crisis. And uh, I, I think that gardening and gardeners are part of the resilience in our communities today, and they will come to the fore ever more greatly in these coming weeks. I, I think so too, uh, you know, having been thinking about this for now a couple of weeks, watching this looming yeah. tidal wave. Tidal wave. Whoops. Okay, Andrew, I'm not, what's, what's up? Okay, uh, well, I've got you, Peggy. You're back. So, okay. So, I'll, I'll hang up then. I think we lost Peggy for a second, but she's back. But what I wanted to say is here I am. I've got my seedlings in my, right. Dixie, my Dixie cups. Yep. Uh, and that was the, my response the other day. Yeah. Right. Oh, there you are. Okay. And uh, I, I think we're having a little uh, audio technical. Uh, anyway, we'll try to continue this conversation, Jennifer. You and I are connected. As I far think as so. I, I hear yeah. you, Mike. You guys I hear me? you and I see you. Yes, so. we can Peggy. see you and hear you, Peggy. Yes. So you can put that down, I think. Um, so anyway. Okay, can you is, hear me now, though? Yes. Yes. Okay. I hear a little echo sometimes in my own voice. Now it's gone. Good. Uh, and uh, I think the response, my response was, let's... Uh, I need to get out of my yard. That was my response. And I think when we talk to Rebecca, for a lot of people, it's going to be, I need to go out and walk in the park in this beautiful garden. Uh, easy, easy. Uh, Andrew, you're on. <laughs> we can hear you, Andrew. <laughs> okay. Okay. We're not. Uh, okay. That's good. Uh, it's, it's good to know who's on air and who's not, because that, I, I was, I had my finger on the panic button there. Does this happen in public radio, Jennifer? That's what I want to know. Well, thankfully I'm never live on public radio. So if it happens, we can edit it out, but real life is real life. And sometimes those things happen. Yeah, no, it, yeah. it's true. I, actually, I love, uh, uh, live radio. It's the only way uh, I want to do it. Uh, and, uh, so uh, tell me about what then you're going to be telling your listeners when you get back to uh, doing your next show? Well, I would reiterate exactly what you just said, which is, in fact, public radio is going to be to communication what public parks are to um, are being able to get outside. They are a great common open access forum for staying connected to one another and mentoring and supporting and encouraging each other in all the things that do keep us sane, like good food and fresh flowers and fresh air and starting our seeds. And so that even though we have to keep our physical social distance, we can still stay very connected with one another as you are doing on live radio right now. <laughs> yeah. as, we're, as we're trying to do right now, yes. make, it, make it as smooth as possible. And sometimes right. it isn't. It's if when you have your engineer yelling in your head uh, and then you realize, oh, that didn't go on the air. Yep. That's good. Right. Yep. Do, uh, we, do we want to bring Terry in? Yeah, let's bring. Well, uh, before we bring Terry in. Uh, I tell you what, Jennifer, Jennifer, what I was going to say is uh, we're going to get your book and I'm going to have you back on the show. Uh, and uh, Thank we, you. we need we need the women that you've been uh, writing about in the book, because that's what I was excited to do uh, in in advance 
of the uh, uh, the conference, the spring symposium at the Allen yeah. Centennial Garden. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to wave goodbye and wish you lucky. Thank you. I'm getting back to you. And I and Peggy will be talking very, very soon. Keep gardening. Stay safe. Thank you. All right. You, you too. You too, Jennifer. I just want to get right back to um, Benjamin uh, before we bring in our next guest. Uh, are you still with us, Benjamin? Yep, I'm here. Okay, so what are the plans? How do you how do you make good on your conference? <laughs> That's a very good question. Um, <laughs> so we've you know again, this has been a, a rapidly moving target uh, for us for the for the last uh, well just a few days. Um, you know, at this point, um, you know, when, in middle of the week, I said, oh, I'd love to reschedule, and and maybe we'll do it in the fall, and then. As of today, I'm sitting here going, I'm just going to wait. We're, you know, that we would, again, similar to, um, I think others, you know, there, there's a lot of other sort of fish to fry right now um, across the board for everybody. And, you know, when things settle down, this is definitely a conversation we'll be returning to. Um, but for now, I'm sort of pivoting our, not only my own mindset, but our organization's role, um, exactly as sort of Rebecca and Jennifer said, is sort of, you know, we're this outdoor common space that, um, as long as we, again, can look to best practices and um, not only in the moment, but also thinking about what it looks like when we start to come out of this, because we will come out of it. Again, it's, it's so of the moment now, but, you know, I'm really thinking about when it's safe to go outside, <laughs> you know, again, um, and, and, and what does that look like as we begin to reemerge? How do we um, sort of use our spaces in their restorative capacities to encourage people to feel comfortable, to relax, to, again, reduce that maybe, you know, really pent up cabin fever and anxiety, you know, especially as we merge and, you know, come into spring. So that's sort of really what we're um, <clears throat> starting to think about how we can do You know, I don't have the answers yet, but it's certainly, you know, on, on top of mind. I think that's really uh, important. Uh, we're about to break here, but you say restorative power. So thank you, Benjamin Futa. We'll be talking very soon. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Want to have a healthier, more eco-friendly Green Diva kitchen? In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. The main characteristics of a Green Diva kitchen are that it produces delicious food, is healthy, eco-friendly, and low stress. Let's start by using more dish towels and cloth napkins because paper products make up one-third of municipal waste. Buying bulk dry goods saves money and reduces waste. Please recycle more. An estimated 80% of what Americans throw away is recyclable, yet our recycling rate is only 28%. Consider composting. It's easier than you think, and even if you live in an urban area, there are often municipal composting programs. And of course, always try to buy local and organic food whenever possible. I'm Green Diva Meg. Listen to over 500 Green Divas podcasts and learn lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green at TheGreenDivas.com Do you love trees? Do you have a great story to tell about a special tree in your life? The Morton Arboretum and Openlands have partnered to launch Tremendous Tree Stories, an online collection of stories highlighting people's connection to trees. Submit stories of the trees you cherish, remember from childhood, or that hold a special meaning for you. Browse the collection and consider sharing your own tree story by visiting tree-stories.org tree-stories.org 
Ja, Miguna amekuwa so dangerous kushinda 239 passengers is of 14 days wanna be wa quarantine itabidi uwa host ndani ya state house tumeitisha kazi vijana tujaona wanafunzi wamengoja laptops bado no mauna omba jina deni wakulipa mama mboga wanoiva ukitadi kwa magari twaona Welcome back to the Mike Novak show with Peggy Maleki that is the coronavirus in Kenya song I'm telling you I went online today and you can't believe all the different songs are there Andrew you can fade that out now Okay well on the phone we've got uh Terry Horton she's associate professor of research in evolutionary and ecological approaches to health and development at Northwestern University in the anthropology department um but she's also an environmental physiologist and uh, Terry had uh, Terry coordinates the Nature Culture and Human Health or NCH2 working group kind of focusing a lot on uh looking at connecting people back to nature and Terry just put out uh, a newsletter to the people subscribed to the NCH2 group talking about the importance of social distancing things we've been talking about but also reconnecting keeping connections during all of this to people and to nature and the importance to our uh, overall health mental physical spiritual so since we're having some audio problems here Terry I'll let I think I'm back. I think we're fine here, Peggy. So so tell us a little bit about that um and your thoughts because we don't have a whole lot of time and we'll certainly have you on again, but where are we and what should people be doing right now? Well, okay, I just wanted to say that, you know, social distancing and keeping our physical space is absolutely essential. We need to make sure we're everyone's following the CDC's recommendations because this virus is spreading and there's very limited immunity in the community. However, being keeping physical distance from people doesn't mean that we have to become isolated. That and we need to keep our social connections, we need to keep our communities going because social isolation is itself a public health problem and it's recognized um in the public health community as a contributor to both mental and physical health and there's a great concern that as we now sort of start to hunker down in our homes that people are going to become isolated and that's particularly a problem for um vulnerable populations the elderly and people who don't have strong social networks already and part of the reason I wrote the piece I did yesterday or on Friday for the NCH2 group but to emphasize that there are ways that we can stay connected. Um and also it's still important to remember that social distancing doesn't mean you have to lock yourself in your house. It means you need to keep a physical distance from people and try to touch not to touch surfaces that might be contaminated. But this means that all of our outdoor spaces, our forests, our parks, um our forest preserves, our lake shores there are still places we can go and as we heard in the earlier presentations being outdoors outdoors provides restorative um conditions for our health the research is in that shows that spending time in nature helps improve our immune systems um being exposed to the bright light helps us sleep better it increases our vitamin D all of these things help increase our immune system so we need to keep our immune systems um in tip-top shape and functioning 
So get outside, but, you know, keep a distance while you're doing it. Right, right. Well, one of the things that, and if uh, listeners go to the blog at MikeNovak.net this week, one of the things that you had written us last night was, we need to find ways to bring joy and variety to our lives right now. And certainly, you know, that getting outside and and taking a look to see how the bulbs are coming up in our garden, or as you said, um, coniferous trees and and smelling some of the VOCs, the volatile compounds, they're all going to help. They're going to bring joy and and some hope. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we need to keep our spirits up during this time. And uh, you mentioned also that uh, you're you're talking about vitamin D production and sleep cycles. Those are all important and this is part of the way you do it. And uh, as I said earlier, and I'm gonna continue to say, one of the ways you do that is you garden. You, you get out and you work and uh, you, you exercise and you, you have some activity that, that has a future, mm-hmm. that brings hope to you. I guess hope is a big part of this, isn't it? Little seedlings, yes. get those started. Yes, hope really is a big part of it. And, you know, there's a practice known as horticultural therapy that's a derivative of occupational therapy. And one of the principles of that horticultural therapy is interacting with living things, seeing things grow, expressing concern, and taking care of things. And so gardening gives you, yeah, there you go. Gardening gives you that sense that you are connecting with things and, you know, helping things grow and building for the future. And I think at this time, as we are, you know, hunkering down and sort of closing ourselves off, we need to be thinking that, yes, we're going to get through this um, and we need to keep building our lives. So get outside and, you know, work in the garden, do some bird watching, um, do what you can't take the kids out in the backyard for a picnic or take yeah. them to a forest let's, for a let's leave it at that because we're about to break thank you captain's log stardate 42326.1 the enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form mr wolf status report inexplicable captain they appear to be perambulating vegetables we are being stalked by stalks of asparagus that is incorrect, Mr. Wharf. Killer asparagus was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work, and so am I. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Raven Gosplach, my favorite holiday dish. Thank you, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, options. It seems to be available online at aroundtheblockpress.com. Aroundtheblockpress.com. What do they have to say? Hmm, it appears that Mike Novak is a slapstick every gardener. I prefer my asparagus with a side of patach Mr. Wolf, are you joking? Actually, Captain, I believe he is choking. Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root, and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. All I need 
Welcome back. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki on a coronavirus Sunday uh, on the Zoom machine. And I and I realize it's uh, I hit the table every now and then it just goes wah 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 wah. It's making. Oh, I every- thought you just hadn't had enough coffee yet. Yeah, making everybody seasick. Uh, out there, so I, I have to be careful. No, I, I don't have. Uh, I might have to go off in a break and uh, and and get me a lo- little more coffee here. But uh, uh, welcome back, everybody. We're we're making this go the best we can, and next week it's going to be perfect. Going to be going to be a number one. Well, I'll uh, give a shout out to Andrew. He's doing a great job keeping all this together here. Uh, it, it's juggling like this. Okay, it's juggling microphones and uh, circuits. And that sort of thing. Um, so and joining in, we're coming to you from our home offices. That's right. With the uh, hippie astrums in the background, as I mentioned earlier. Yeah, you call it amaryllis, but it's really a hippie astrum, just so you know. And my Christmas lights uh, on my shiflora behind me. And my scented geranium that's taking over the room. That's, uh, well, <laughs> it's, if you didn't have soil for a floor, you wouldn't have that problem. All right. Uh, we've been reading a lot of stuff this week. I can't tell you. Now I've got my own folder of coronavirus stuff for just for the show, which is uh, amazing. Um, Mount Everest is closed. I was I was getting ready to go tomorrow, and now I, there, there go my plans. So I gotta I gotta cancel that. But it's amazing how many different things yeah. uh, are are shut down. And a week ago, you couldn't have figured that. This was all going to happen. I, we were starting to think in that direction, um, but things move very quickly, and uh, now everybody's scrambling to keep up with it. And of course, you you can see the photo uh, on my blog post uh, at mikenovak.net, m-i-k-e-n-o-w-a-k.net, and it's um, at a local store. Uh, and the shelves are empty, um, and it's not even as bad. I mean, I. It, it looks like everything's empty there. Believe me, there were other things in that store. I've seen photos from other stores where they're just cleaned out. There's nothing there. Um, and let me, let me, a word to the wise folks, those of you hoarding water, what the heck are you doing? Okay, what are you doing? Right now, your tap works great. It really does. Um, I got a um, an email from Deb, Deborah Shore from the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District uh, just the other day. And she said the same thing. I mean, she, she knows more about water than just about anybody. And she said, what, what, are, what is that all about? And the weird things that people are hoarding. That was the other thing. I saw, I saw an article about the crazy stuff that people are buying that they would never eat in real life. And, but that's what they're hoarding or eat or use yeah. in real life. And Every, boom. Everyone who's never bought dried beans. And doesn't know what to do with them. That's right. Which could well, explain why at the drugstore there the Pepsi section was cleared out. It was the weirdest thing. That that is weird too. Oh my goodness! I uh, that's that's very strange. Uh, and the thing that I I found out about soap, I saw an article. The New York Times, of course, has the Corona virus outbreak and you can live and they just cover everything up to date that's one of the great places you can go other places are starting to do that as well and they talk about how soap works and the way it bonds part of it bonds soap is made of pin-shaped molecules each of which has a hydrophilic i don't know if it's hydrophilic or hydrophilic head it bonds with water in a hydrophobic tail 
which shuns water and prefers to link up with oils and fats, and they end up breaking up viruses. Uh, they sort of pry them apart, uh, and that's why it works. But the thing that was really interesting, they, it says they act like crowbars and destabilize the whole system, said a, a professor of chemistry. And the thing was about washing your hands. Um, oh, well, we'll be right back. I didn't hear that until now. That's not just a tree in your yard. It's an investment. It's a windbreak. It's a natural work of art. It's part of the family, which is why you want Bartlett tree experts to care for your trees. Now is a great time to go to Bartlett.com and see what they can do for you. Did you know that winter's a prime time to have your trees pruned? One of the reasons is that without leaves, the structure of the tree is easier to evaluate. Also, it's a great time to inspect your trees for any visibly hazardous conditions or structural issues. It's also easier now to work around a garden when the ground is frozen. Even during the growing season, Bartlett utilizes the most effective and environmentally sensitive methods to control tree pests, such as beneficial insects to manage the bad insects. And did we mention that Bartlett is the industry leader in safety? Whether it's a small residential project or a major commercial renovation, contact an arborist representative at Bartlett and get a free estimate because every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And it's a shame you can't hear this better. I'm, I'm sure you can't hear that very well at all. Can you, Peggy? Uh, all fuzzy. Yeah, because I've had I, I found all these great coronavirus songs on on <laughs> the used tubes and um, and our audience can hear them, but we can't. Uh, so that's. Part of the issue we're having here today. So I can't even comment on them. So, uh, but by the way, just uh, to give credit, that one is the coronavirus song by Caxton Mutambuki. Um, so there's uh, there's a couple more coming up, and we'll we'll see if we can figure out how to do this. And for those of you who want to know how to wash your hands correctly. You're going to have to wait till the next segment because we have another guest. And I and I will tell you, in the next segment when we get to more uh, of this, and maybe talk a little bit about food mm-hmm. and, and how that's affected by coronavirus. Uh, we have to go to the real world. Well, coronavirus is a real world, but we have to go to the old world. How yeah, about that? There's other things out there. <laughs> there's other things going on. For instance, the other day you might have seen some headlines in the papers in and around Chicago um, about an issue we've talked about on this show in the past, and that is the uh, carriage horse issue. And we happen to have on the Zoom machine, uh, she's still moving the, I can see you're moving the camera there, Jody. I did it right. I hope nobody could see all that. <laughs> okay, careful where you're putting your hands. I think you're muffling your microphone, so. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah. Hands away, from, hands away from the microphone. Take your hands off the microphone. Are you Are you okay. there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, there you are. Oh, you're just trying to get the camera to be uh, still, I, aren't you? I thought I had a selfie stick and I couldn't find it. So 
that would have helped hold, you know, hold it and not touch the volume. Sorry about that. Oh, that's okay. Uh, that's Jody Whitaker, who is uh, uh, the the founder of uh, the Chicago Alliance for Animals, and um, she has been on the show several times, and she, <laughs> that's not going to stay. You know, that's never going to stay for you. Um, <laughs> is that okay? Yeah, that's good enough. That's close enough. And you can I'll all, try to stop moving. <laughs> and I would move to your left just a little bit if you can do that. Um, there you go. Now, okay. He, Apologies. My dog has now decided he's going to join the conversation. Oh, good. That's great. <laughs> my cat was around here someplace. I wanted to bring her up, uh, but she's disappeared now. Uh, Jody Whitaker is from the Chicago Alliance for Animals, and we've had her on the show uh, several times in the past couple of years because you've been fighting this kind of amazing battle with the city of Chicago and with the carriage uh, operators in the city of Chicago. And I know because you've talked to me about the emails, I've seen some of the emails you've, you, you've sent to try to get this issue resolved. And, and your, your whole deal is that you, you consider using horses in the city. Well, it's outdated basically, and it, it, it causes harm to the animals, and you've been pushing that issue for several years, and now, all of a sudden, the committee that you've been fighting with, I guess, to get the measure into this, uh, the full city council had decided to pass it, and from what I understand, they passed the resolution unanimously, which would ban carriage horses in the city of Chicago. Is that right? That is right. They passed unanimously on Wednesday. Um, the hearing was much shorter than the, the first hearing, which was in September 2018. And uh, I was, we all were very surprised and very happy. <laughs> uh, you, you surprised is, is, is a, a good word because you've been to that same committee for several years and every year as the licenses are about to be renewed, you go and you, you, you cajole them, you beg with them, you plead with them, you say, can this pass out of committee? And you knew that the, you had enough committee members for it to pass, and yet it never passed. Um, had, uh, why, yeah. So why, why is that? Um, I think that, you know, maybe, uh, I think there might be a few different factors that finally allowed it on the agenda for a vote. Uh, this the first time we had a four and a half hour hearing, but the the a vote was denied. The chairwoman didn't allow it to go to a vote that day. Um, and I think between you know the public contacting the aldermen and the mayor um, from locally saying that they they want this to end, they want don't want it in their city, and then tourists calling and emailing the mayor and saying you know I don't want to visit. Uh, a world-class city and see horses suffering on the street. I think that helped a lot. There was a horse that uh, collapsed and stumbled for more than 15 minutes on the streets of Central Central Park in uh, New York City just a couple weeks ago. That may have had a factor because that video was very disturbing and that could have easily happened here in Chicago. Um, and, you know, I, I'm no, I don't know exactly what happened, but I'm just thrilled that they finally saw that, um, that this it's time for this and the aldermen, the sponsors of the bill, Alderman Riley, Alderman Hopkins and Alderman Lopez uh, were wonderful that day and really spoke out against the fact that they've given these carriage operators 
multiple uh, times to clean up their act and they continue to overwork horses and not provide water and work them when it's too hot, work them during rush hour and many violations that not only impact the animal welfare, but also public safety. Yeah, uh, it was interesting because Peggy wrote to me, texted me this week and said, so what changed? And I just wrote back two words, New York. I really think that had a lot to do with it. I put the uh, the story up on my blog post. <laughs> I'm just watching you t- uh, getting seasick here. Um, <laughs> and uh, I put it up on the blog post. And, you know, if you see the video and some of you won't even want to watch it, but you know what you're going to see. It's, it's not, it's not pretty. No. Um, and in case nobody, in case you don't know, um, that horse that stumbled for 15 minutes, tried to get up and would fall back down and stumble the entire time there were handlers surrounding her. She, her name was Aisha. She was 12 years old. That's the horse in New York, the horse in New York city. Yeah. And they tied her up with ropes and dragged her into a trailer. A veterinarian was never called to the scene in central park. Instead, they dragged her into a trailer. She must have been terrified, and then, and then uh, took her back to the stables or the uh, yeah the stables where they euthanized her. So, for these carriage operators to consistently say they care about these horses, you know, if if that was my horse, uh, a veterinarian would have been called to the scene to to you know assess the situation. Uh, but that's not what was happened. I mean, the poor horse was dragged into a trailer. Yeah, um, and and that's a that, that's a really good point, and that is the argument that the carriage horse operators make all the time, which is the horses are not abused, um, and even given that you could make an argument about that, I mean, I don't I don't know what the argument would be because I I believe that it's not a good situation for them inhaling exhaust, being on hard surfaces all the time, standing there, sometimes without food and water for hours. Um, even if even if you could find an argument for that, you have documented that these people are breaking the law and you've documented it for several years now. Right there, you have to say, well, put aside the horse's welfare. You guys are breaking the law. It's the law, and you've and you've had problems just getting the city of Chicago to understand that, haven't you? Oh, most definitely. I mean, every time we wanted to uh, submit evidence of violations, they made it each time harder and harder for us to submit our evidence. I mean, we had to get an affidavit. We had for every video or photo we took. Um, some days we were there for ten to twelve hours, documenting horses being worked from eleven in the morning till one a.m. in the morning. And yeah. Chicago's law only stayed six hours. And so they made it, they made it very difficult for us to do their job for them. Mm-hmm. So um, that's one of the issues Alderman Riley brought up is we shouldn't be spending the money uh, to, to monitor this trade uh, that refuses to, you know, enforce the, their own self-regulate basically. I and think um, it only I, brings in 15,000 in license fees every year, yet they're spending all this money. Yeah, to monitor, and they did uh, recently, which we were very happy to hear that the ACP hired a couple investigators to work the weekends because that's when they're overworked and violate the law the most. Um, but you know, this is a 
this is a trade that is very difficult to regulate anyway. So to take away city resources when we have you know, all the issues the city of Chicago has with crime and so forth, to spend on this archaic activity, which, you know, they're going to break the law regardless. I mean, we just recently uh, saw a horse working during rush hour in a blizzard. And and we can't be down there all the time. We all have jobs and neither can the city. So, mm-hmm. and, you know, and with the likelihood of accidents, it's just, it's time for this, uh, this industry to go away. Yeah. Um, and uh, as you mentioned, because uh, I've seen some of those emails, the uh, city of Chicago just kept moving the goalposts on you. And it, and it was really amazing, actually, watching them duck and weave and dodge and refuse to answer your questions and say, we'll get back to you and then not get back to you. Um, just uh, no transparency at all even though they claimed there was, oh yeah, we're working on it, and then nothing would happen. So it was uh, pretty amazing stuff. Did you notice any shift at all when uh, the uh, administrations changed? Uh, I had hoped there was a shift. I, I would say that I felt like there was, especially when Alderman Hopkins reintroduced the bill um, that Alderman Riley had first introduced in December 2017. The new bill was much more um, uh, inclusive in what it was calling for. I mean, it really made it very clear that horse carriages would be off the street. Um, So I just felt very um, excited last June when the new bill was introduced, which was the first city council with the new mayor and the new city, the new aldermen who were elected. Um, And throughout the summer, we, we gathered, you know, in a matter of just a couple of months from June to September, we got 26 co-sponsors out of 50 aldermen. That's obviously more than half. Um, and so then we were told that it would be on the September agenda. And then it was supposedly actually on the agenda. And then we were told that Mayor Lightfoot's team pulled it off for further review. So we reached out to the mayor. We asked her, you know, what, do, what how, you know, we offered our documentation. We offered all the information. And then it was, you know, it was put off again in October. And then okay. I, Oh, I was just going to say we're going to we're going to run out of time here. So here we are. It's past uh, the uh, the committee, which is what you've been hoping for for years. Now goes to the full council. It'll be interesting to see if they even meet with the coronavirus going on. I heard that there might not be a meeting. I actually ran into Alderman Maldonado, um, who sponsors. I mean, who's you know who said he would he's going to vote for this. He is a co-sponsor. Uh, yes. Yes, he's co-sponsor of it. So. Uh, uh, I saw him, he, he was canvassing uh, in the neighborhood. Uh, so uh, your hope is that once it gets to city council, you will get the 26 votes you need. Yes, um, we're, we're hoping it'll pass by much more. Um, but yes, we do hope the meeting happens on Wednesday and that it passes out of committee. We've been told by, I've been told by many aldermen that if a bill passes out of committee, that it will pass in city council. All right. Uh, if people... Horses will be off the street by the end of the year. That'd be great. Um, if folks want more information, where can they go? Uh, our website is chicagoallianceforanimals.org. We have a Facebook page if they just do a search. Uh, on Twitter, we're at shy, C-H-I, animal rights. Um, those are the main spots. And um, they can find um, our email or chicagoallianceforanimals at gmail.com. Is uh, the okay. 
All right. I'm not hearing the music, so I assume we're about ready to break. So I want to thank you so much uh, for being on the, uh, the show with us. We're going to continue to follow this, and I hope uh, you, you win in city council this week. Well, thank you so much, and I appreciate you always uh, letting me talk about the issue on your show. All right. Thanks. We'll be right back. Talk show with Peggy Malecki. Stick around. I'm Dr. Anthony Lazowitz, and this is Climate Connections. Whether reporting on sea level rise, crop failures, or natural disasters, journalists are often the bearers of bleak news about global warming. But Liza Gross of the Solutions Journalism Network says that the bad news on climate is not the only news. And she says that unrelenting negative coverage can turn viewers and readers off from engaging with the issue. If there is no hope, then why would I even read about it or listen to a broadcast or watch a video about it? So the Solutions Journalism Network trains journalists to cover what Gross calls the whole story. In addition to covering societal challenges with journalistic rigor, we also cover solutions and responses to these challenges with equal journalistic rigor. For example, reporting on renewable energy projects, coral reef restoration efforts, or stories of how communities come together after natural disasters. The goal is not to comfort people or distract them from the seriousness of problems like climate change. Rather, Gross says by providing evidence-based, in-depth stories on effective solutions to these problems, journalists can help enrich people's understanding of the issue. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. Learn more at YaleClimateConnections.org. Hello, virus from Wuhan. Another problem's here again. Because you see the contagion creeping. And the virus is indeed spreading. And the memory of SARS planted in my brain still remains. We stand and fight. The virus. All right. Welcome we back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. You couldn't hear that so I, well, I Peggy. But our, it, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> but it, uh, that's just yet one more of the uh, coronavirus songs that I found in about 20 minutes. Yeah. In about 20 minutes, I found they were like blah, 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 lined up on uh, on uh, the used tubes. And Everyone that looking one. Looking for their five minutes of fame. And uh, Exactly. Exactly. And that one is uh, Fight the Virus um, by Alvin Oon, O-O-N. And of course, it's to the Sounds of Silence by Simon Mm -hmm. and Garfunkel. And um, there we are. Uh, I can't I I, got to stop watch. I'm see I got to go back to this view. Yeah, okay. I've got Zoom layered in on top of Facebook, so I can yeah, see the comments, I know. but not. And Facebook. I had and I had my buddy here. Okay, yeah, I saw Gata make an appearance. Oh, really? I did. I couldn't see her on my own camera. Oh, I saw her tail go by. Oh, okay. Hey, Gata. Wait a second. Let's do this. All right, here we go. Where is she? There she is. Gata. Hey, Gata. The uh, mascot of the Mike Novak show. There she is, just kind of hanging out. Um, I, I could, I couldn't manipulate her and bring her in, but she really there wouldn't. She is. There she wouldn't, is. 
There she is. You having a good time, Gata? Okay. Uh, <laughs> See cat videos. Yeah, there we go. We had, wait, there's time for it. There we go. Cat videos and we need dings for the cat videos. Oh, yes, Lord. We have our dingers even at home. Yes. We. Uh, hey, doesn't everybody have dingers at home? That's, that's what I want to know. Um, I want to get back to that story uh, and that was in the, the New York Times about washing your hands. All right, there, we'll start with that because then we have some other things to say. Um, here's the sad part of it. It says, in the 1840s, Dr. Ignaz Semmelweis, a Hungarian physician, discovered that if doctors wash their hands, far fewer women died after childbirth. This is in the 1840s. At the time, microbes were not widely recognized as vectors of disease, and many doctors ridiculed the notion that a lack of personal cleanliness could be responsible for their patients' deaths. Ostracized by his colleagues, you know, we're <laughs> living in an enlightened world, Dr. Semmelweis was eventually committed to an asylum where he was severely beaten by guards and died from infected wounds. Nice. And the guards hadn't washed their hands. Either. And of course they hadn't washed their hands. Oh my goodness. Florence Nightingale, the English nurse and statistician, also promoted hand washing in the mid-1800s. Now listen to this. But it was not until the 1980s 1980s that the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention issued the world's first nationally endorsed hand hygiene guidelines. Wow. Now they talk about washing with soap and water and the way you should do it. Um, okay, here we are. We're, I got to find that part of it. Oh, come on. Do, 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 do. Or maybe it was in a, in a... No, it was the one that you had sent me that, that talked about really... Yeah, scrubbing, well, the, this really is... I sent this one too. Well, okay, what they... It's, I, you're right, it's not... I thought it was in this story. This one's uh, how soap yeah, works. I'll, I'll, I'll never find the other one, but I do remember it because it kind of got burned into my brain. And the idea is... Everybody's talking about 20 seconds. 20 seconds is great, but you got to do it right anyway. So and you soak 30 in a few things, even. Yeah, I would say 30 is probably great. Uh, you soap up, but you got to get uh, in between your fingers. So, you you know, you bring your fingers together like this. And you um, the other thing uh, they said is take your the fingertips, rub them in the palm of your hand. I guess that gets your tips and the palm and then take uh, your hand and do this with your thumbs. Mm -hmm. To, to clean it. Yeah. And and the and get under your nails too, if you have nails at all. Uh yeah, get under your nails. And the uh the other issue about that, and it's just gone out of my head, was oh, uh when you wash your hands, wash them as if you had just chopped jalapenos and you're about to change your contact lenses. <laughs> yes. So that's how thorough you need to be because that's you want to get that off and the other thing i would add that i'm surprised most of these have not talked about is if you if your faucet at all allows you to use your elbow or your wrist to turn it on and off so you're not touching well if well, you, if you, 
if you touch it with dirty hands, wash your hands and turn it off. Yeah. That's that that's that's the hospital ER thing, washing your hands, or the hospital nurse thing. Uh-huh. Back when I was uh, a candy striper, they trained us to do that many, many, many moons ago. Oh, really? You were a candy striper? A candy striper at the hospital, yeah. What you don't you don't want to work healing people? Well, you heal them in a different way now, don't you? This was back early, early in high school. Oh, wow. I had no, I had no idea. Um, Speaking of healing, we got a note here in Facebook and it kind of ties into a couple of the other things we're looking from Jessica Chipkin from Crate Free, Illinois. Uh Uh-huh. And she says all the stores have plenty of tofu and plant-based options. Now that the meat shelves are cleared (laughs) out, try something healthier and kinder to the environment and animals. That's so interesting. Goes into some of the the things we've gotten on farmers markets and food safety and things coming from CSAs. And that's what we're going to try to do in the next few weeks is we want to talk to folks at farmers markets. We want to talk to folks at at, uh, CSAs to uh, find out what they're recommending in terms of food safety. Um, Obviously you're at the mercy of whatever, if you go to a supermarket of whatever they're doing. Um, but it's interesting to find out what CSAs are doing. Uh, we found something on the way to looking up other things. Uh, this was a, a link to the Logan Square yeah. market, which is open today. The which, farmer's yeah. market, the indoor market. And they've got, they've issued all sorts of things that they're talking about that they're doing of, of triple triple checking what they're doing and it's the same with uh, some of the co-ops um since i've just can't figure out which button hit oh there now the audio is back <laughs> um and um so we got that information and that had a link to the european food safety authority mm-hmm. uh headline coronavirus no evidence that food is a source or transmission route no evidence um efsa's chief scientist marta huga said Experiences from previous outbreaks of related coronaviruses, such as uh, severe acute respiratory syndrome coronavirus, which is SARS and MERS, show that transmission through food consumption did not occur. At the moment, there is no evidence to suggest that coronavirus is any different in this respect. Now, that's something that uh, we definitely want to follow up on and see what else uh, we can we can find on that. Uh, yeah, you know, I've been looking it up, and and that's you know, there's a little bit of of um, I, I can't get to any of the articles. I got too much open on my screen right now. There's there's a little bit of uh, suggestions of maybe possibly, but there's no real anything showing that the virus is going to survive. But every article I've seen, including from Prairie Wind Family Farm, from uh, a couple of the different um, CSAs, is wash everything just you know wash it very well don't you know some say use a little bit of merry mild soap but you don't want to be ingesting soap either just make sure you wash everything well yeah and was it you or somebody else was saying now everybody's using the stuff that's been lying around their homes forever and i'm i have to admit i'm one of them which is soap bars everywhere that i you know you don't throw it out why why would you ever throw out soap i'm just trying to Uh, find a soap dish now (laughs) <laughs> and that's what I, that's what we need here. We need, you know what? There we go. 
that's what we have to take advantage of. People who are going to start selling soap dishes now. We maybe we can help them advertise on, on the show because I, I, I've been trying to think of what products are going to start becoming important. Soap dishes. Who thought? You know, we've soap gone dishes, things to save energy. Yep. Okay. Um, I, I don't have. Uh, uh, I know we're going to break here very soon. You mentioned that Navy Pier just sent an announcement. Yeah, I just just got on my phone that um, Navy Pier is joining from Chicago Tribune. Navy Pier is joining um, a list of Chicago attractions closing, announcing it will shut down Monday, April 3rd. Okay. Well, we got Rick DeMaio weather coming up, so stick around for that. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and we'll be right back. This is Mike Novak. For weeks, Peggy and I have been talking about how easy it is to support clean energy thanks to Hero Power. And now they're backing that up by offering you $25 off to join the Hero Power Clean Energy Program. You get 100% of your electricity consumption matched with Green E certified renewable energy certificates every time you pay your electric bill. Plus, you'll never pay more than the ComEd rate. You'll know where your money is going without extra costs or termination fees. Your bill doesn't change. Your service doesn't change. You still pay the ComEd basic electric rate. Sign up in less than two minutes and Hero Power will handle the rest. Plus, you can get a $25 credit off your first bill when you sign up and mention that you heard about Hero Power on the Mike Novak Show. Support clean energy now at MyHeroPower.com. I switched. You should too. Go to MyHeroPower.com. Farm Forward is a team of people just like you helping to change the way our world eats and farms to promote conscientious food choices, reduce farmed animal suffering, and advance sustainable agriculture. We are changing policy, changing farming, and changing the story we tell about animal agriculture. Farm Forward is shaping the future of food with a twin focus on animal welfare certification and reducing the consumption of animal products. We are changing farming by working with farmers to build alternatives to the factory farm and developing food systems that put animals, farmers, and communities first. To learn more about Farm Forward's work to end animal suffering and advance sustainable agriculture, head to www.farmforward.com and sign up for our monthly newsletter to receive the latest news about how we're transforming our food system and what you can do to help. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Farm Forward. Known this one would have come. Yeah, yeah, somebody had to do my, my, my Corona at some point. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Let's not waste any time. Let's go right to the phone line and bring in meteorologist Rick DeMaio, who is on location in Florida. How are you doing, Rick? I'm doing well, Mike. Uh, as long as there's no cases reported here, things in the lovely retirement community of the villages seem to be going smoothly, other than the fact that all public venues uh, are basically shut down, and everybody is talking about it, something you would expect in a community where people are most at risk, right? 
Hey, Rick, can you move back from your the speaker on your phone just a little? You there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Oh, did you? Can, can, all right. It's it's just a little distorted on our end. I think it's probably fine on uh, going out over the air. So we'll yeah. just uh, yeah, we're, I, we've been I dealing with technical stuff all day. So yeah, uh, we're broadcasting from our homes. I don't know if you know that, but we are. Well, yeah, you sound a little different, <laughs> but uh, no, I'm 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 I can hear you guys fine. So far away. Okay. Okay. Good. Uh, so everything's shut down there there too, of course. Um, Although I um, I have read reports about I don't know why Florida was mentioned, but I read something about or saw on television about people gathering in Florida. Some people saying, "Hey, what's the big deal?" Uh, well, I guess it's a big deal when they shut down everything, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, when I say shut down, they're they're, they're shutting things down like rec centers, um, music, you know, venues. Uh, church went on. Uh, but there was no, you know, shaking of the hands during, you know, the normal exchange of peace. There was no pass around the basket for money. There was no taking of the wine from the chalice and no dipping of the hands in the font. So all the things that are trying to reduce the spread of communal, um, you know, communal transfer of disease has kind of been, you know, what they're looking at, obviously, because it's a retirement community. But I, when I flew out of Midway Airport, on Friday, it was kind of, you can see that it definitely was not as buzzing as it normally would be. Uh, the flight down to Tampa was probably three quarters full. What was amazing was everybody who was, you know, usually you get that horde of people come out of the um, out of the flight and they go straight to the men's room. And the amount of people washing their hands for like literally like 90 seconds was, was pretty funny. And, and I kind of joked around. To the two people on either side, I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen people clean their hands as much. It used to be like a little bit of water, and that was it. Um, and what's funny is now, you know, you get into some of these, you know, public bathrooms where you got to get your hand underneath the sink just right under the faucet, and yeah. you can see people like getting frustrated. Usually, it used to be like you didn't get it right away; you went to a towel. Uh, but it's a, you know, it's a big deal. But I think what's also interesting is some of the ramifications or some of the fallout. Uh, is the fact that the air in China all of a sudden is a lot cleaner. Um, I think you'll see probably carbon dioxide emissions go down, similar to what happened back in 2008. Yeah. So these yeah. things that yeah, are kind that of nitrogen dioxide levels uh, in that article that you sent, that they're dark, they're uh, dipping. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And just and just the uh, the air quality peg around the area of Wuhan is phenomenally lower. So, I mean, these are not something that people want to cheerlead, obviously. You have a deadly virus that's going on, but it shows you what happens when you begin to all of a sudden check uh, human behavior, and all of a sudden humans have become kind of a liability. I mean, this is something that I don't think we've ever seen in our lifetimes, and this is, you know, probably going all the way back to, you know, the early 1900s. And and it's good that you bring that up, because I, I noticed that, too. I posted something about that a few days ago. Um, and you hope that we learn that lesson. We look around and say, well, maybe there's something we need to do. I, I think it's good. This in an, in a weird way, uh, I right. don't think any of the, uh, the people 
looking at uh, climate change and the amount of stuff we're pumping into the atmosphere took into account what might happen if we had a pandemic. Uh, now, that you can figure that into the equation if you want and see if that slows things even a little bit. It might be a good start if we can uh, capitalize on it. Yeah, and, and you know, it's interesting, too, because I'm sitting down here at brunch with, you know, six other people, and they're all literally over the age of 80. And in a sense, the last, you know, 15, 20 years of their lives has been a big party because they're retired. They're in a community where they can basically do what they want, how they want to do it. And this is not to, you know, to say that they shouldn't be allowed to do that. But it, I think it just kind of goes to show you, Mike, in a weird way, as you just said, um, when you when you take away all of the regulations that humans have on themselves, we're our own worst enemy, and the collateral damage is huge. And someone said, well, you know, more people die of the flu. And I said, well, you might as well say more people die in car accidents. Does that mean that everybody starts driving the speed limit, you know, has rubber bumpers surrounding their car, and we all wear a helmet? Yeah, so is that the way you want to go through life? And obviously everybody was like going, no. Because uh, I think a lot of people down here in this little central part of Florida don't want to feel like they have to do anything that keeps them from having a good time. And then all of a sudden, a couple of you know confirmed cases will come up, and then all of a sudden, everybody is now stuck inside. Um, so it is, it, it's kind of a weird way of kind of looking at it when you dissect it. But at the same time, um, it, it definitely gives you pause for thought in a different way that I don't think we've ever, we've ever done before. I have to admit, I'm surprised that you're at a uh, at a, a gathering of a bunch of people. I was surprised when you talked about church services because I believe in Chicago. Correct me if I'm wrong, Peggy. Masses have been canceled. Uh, Chicago some, Archdiocese, yeah. I don't think the Joliet Archdiocese has, but yeah. So there's they're clamping down in a lot of places, and that's the, those are one of the casualties. Um, I and, you know what, and trust me. Um, early Friday morning, you know, I had this trip planned to see my parents because my dad has been somewhat in not the greatest of health the last year. And he's 88. My mom's 85. So I, every chance I get to see them, I'm going to do that. But even Friday morning, I said, now, do you guys still want me to come down and visit? And then you can hear they were like, oh, I don't know about it, blah, blah, blah. I said, yeah. look, I'll be clean. I'll be fine. Everything will be OK. We're not going to go out anywhere. We're not going to go out to eat. We're going to do things in a very, okay. you know, homey fashion. Rick, we're going to need yeah, a forecast, so we, Rick. We need a forecast right now, Rick. All right. Um, cloudy today. Uh, rain Tuesday night into Wednesday and Thursday. Could see an inch or two, but otherwise, temperatures generally at or below average for the next five days. Fantastic. All right. Uh, thanks so much. Enjoy your stay. Get back safely, okay? Will do. Thanks, guys. All right. Take care. I want to thank everybody on the show, Benjamin Fuda, Jennifer Jewell, uh, Rebecca McMacken, uh, Teresa Horton, Jody Whitaker, and everybody else. I can't and hear Andrew. the music. And Andrew, of course, who was juggling everything today. Till next time, go green or... Go wash your hands and go home. Stay home. miss much.